nowhere close to a perfect man And it takes a supernatural love to even understand That beyond the walls, behind the mask and confident smile Was a broken man trying to grow up and make life worthwhile and I know there were times that you probably shouldn't But I thank you for always loving me And I know anyone else they probably wouldn't So I thank you for always loving me Now I know there were days I'd look at myself I felt like less of a person Compared to everyone else What about this flaw Too big, too small Can I exchange And trying to make up for What I fell short I let sin slip away But when I look in the mirror And don't like what I see Oh, I just thank you Always loving me And I know I get bad But you wait patiently Oh, I just thank you For always loving me Oh, I just thank you For always loving me But I wanna thank you For always Keep loving me yeah. And you don't let go You just keep loving me Loving me oh, I just want to thank you For always loving me And though I know I don't have everything That it takes you keep loving me And regardless of every mistake That I make you keep loving
It was the blood that redeemed me. It was the blood that kept me from harm. When the enemy came to take my life, it was, it was the blood. It was the blood. Your blood, Josh Copeland. Brothers and sisters, as the mantle is being passed, I thank God for the shift. We're going to another level. I am assured that God has everything under control. I put it all in his hand. I need you to welcome the full gospel, Baptist Church Fellowship, Superman Choir, singing all in his hand.
answer we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you give God the best praise? Samuel. 
y'all pray for their brothers Tanya. Y'all hear my voice. But I'm, you know, once we get started, you know how that goes. First Samuel chapter 22. I want to read a couple of verses. I want to begin right at verse 1. First Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone that was in distress, that was in debt, that was discontented, gathered themselves to him. And he became leader over them. And there were about 400 men with him. Amen. You may be seated in the very presence about God. I, I want to preach this afternoon as the Spirit shall guide with this thought in our minds. The ministry of the cave. The, the ministry of, of the cave. My daughter, my oldest daughter, Jocelyn, is a sophomore in Baltimore, Maryland at Oregon State University. And she called me the other day and said to me, Daddy, I want to go get the new iPad. And I said to her, well, daughter, why do you need a new iPad? You just got one less than a year ago. And she said, well, they have a new one that's just come out. And I said, well, what does this new one do that the old one doesn't do that you just got less than a year ago? To which she said to me, well, it has retina display. And I said, well, I don't know what that means. Tell me what that is. She said, you can see the screen better, doesn't have a glare on it. It's just up-to-date technology so that you don't have to stare so hard at the screen. And the processor is updated so that it works faster when you're online. And I thought to myself when she was telling me all of this, how sad it is that technology has so designed life to have everything at our beck and call to the extent that it has made us lazy and lethargic people. Technology now has designed life so that anything you want, you can get it right when you want it. A good example, if you were to walk down the corridors of history, there was a time when you could call somebody's house, they didn't answer, it just rang and rang. Then technology wanted you to be more comfortable, so they created the voicemail. When the voicemail wasn't quick enough, then technology created the beeper. When the beeper didn't work quick enough, then technology created the cell phone. When the cell phone wasn't quick enough, then the cell phone technology created text messages. When text messaging wasn't good enough, technology created FaceTime. You can look all the way down, even in the banking industry. There was a time that if you did not get to the bank by closing hours, Monday through Friday, you had to wait till Monday. And then technology decided they wanted life to be easier, so they created the automated teller machine. So that if you've got money, you can go anytime, 24-7, and get your money. There's even a new app now, at least on the iPhone, where if you're going to a restaurant, you can, by app, put your order in, and by the time you get there, they seat 
you and your food comes to you. Technology has discipled us into believing that you are to get what you want as quickly as you want. And while that makes good technological sense, the tragedy of the church is that we have transferred this technology over into our theology. So that now we treat God like a machine. That God ought to give us what we want, when we want it, where we want it, how we want it, as fast as we want it. And while technology makes good sense, that does not make great theological sense. Because if God has to give me what I want, when I want it, then I become God and he becomes the slave. If God has to give me what I want, when I want it, then it makes God impotent against my desires. And if he's impotent against my desires, he ceases to be sovereign. And if he ceases to be sovereign, he loses authority over my life. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want a God who just does what I want. Because there's been a whole lot of times I thought I knew what I wanted, and I'm glad God had enough authority to tell me no to stop out. Is there anybody other than me that can look back over your life and say, God, I'm thankful for your authority and sovereignty in my life that when I thought I wanted it, you stepped in in authority and said no when I thought I really wanted a yes. It is not contrary to a lot of this popular preaching. The desire of God to just delight you. <laughs> you can't just speak a tongue and sow a seed and go to a conference and God's just going to bless you. It is not God's desire to delight you. It is God's desire to develop you. It's not God's desire to make you happy. It's God's desire to make you holy. I don't care how many tongues you speak, how many shouts you shout. When the praises go up, blessings don't always come down. That sounds cute, but it ain't correct. Because I know a whole lot of folk with authentic praise, but they still broke. They still sick. They're still unemployed. God is not after keeping you happy. He's after making you holy. And sometimes to develop you, he has to take you through something so that you have the character to keep you where the destiny wants to take you. Preach, boy. We see that in the life of David. David was named the king in chapter 16. But there's an interesting phrase in the verses I read to you. That in chapter 22, he became the leader. He was named the king. Now God is taking him through a process so that he can become what he's been named. Because when God first names you something, you're not always ready with maturity to walk into what you've been named. So God has to take you through a process so that you can become. God help me. This is a mighty good process today, Oshie. This is a wonderful thing. You've been named the 
you can't become what you've been made. I wish I had a witness in here. Don't let nobody fool you. You don't become the pastor just because you've been named the pastor. You don't become the pastor just because you're in the office of the pastor. God takes you through a process where you become what you've been made. Y'all said, no, I got too far to go. He, he's, he's in the process of becoming. Just touch your neighbor, tell your neighbor, I'm becoming. That, that's why I'm going through what I'm going through. That's why I'm having to deal with what I'm dealing with. That's why I'm having to go through the situation. I'm becoming what I've been made. With the text, God is in the process of making David what he's named David. Because God wants you to stay where destiny takes you. And God, watch this, doesn't want to give you stuff. He wants to give you. So sometimes God will hold the stuff and work on you. So that by the time he's finished working on you, he's got the confidence that when he gives you stuff, you won't flip the script and become something he didn't want you to be. Define the value of the 
assignment by the look of the place. Oh boy. So that because the place don't look like something, the assignment can't be much. But here's the joy, O'Shea. Your cave might not be like somebody else's cave, but it's your cave. It might not hold 10,000 folks, but it's your cave. It might not be a mega situation, but it's your cave. And as long as it's your cave, and it's the cave God puts you in, you'll do better in your cave than somebody who's in the wrong cave. I wish I had a witness in here. Can anybody think about that? Your house ain't as big as somebody else's, but at least it's your house. You might not be in a business sitting up twins, but at least it's your car. You might not be wearing a tailor-made suit, but at least it's your suit. Is there anybody in here who can just take one minute and tell God it might not be with somebody else, but it's mine. And because it's mine, I'm giving God the glory. Watch this. It's the cave of a dude. I'm gonna come get you. Which means somebody owned this cave before David got there. But it's interesting. We ain't told nothing about who a dude was. Cause it don't matter who used to be in the cave. It matters who's in the cave right now. Come here, let me talk to the church real quick. Don't you make the mistake of talking about what Pastor Adulam used to do. And how Pastor Adulam used to do it. And how Pastor Adulam used to preach. It was his cave, but he ain't there no more. So we got to thank God for the history. But don't get handcuffed to the history.
Can I prove it to you? God says of Adam, it's not good for Adam to be alone. Now preachers, that tripped me out because in my overly spiritual mind, I'm saying, God, how is he alone and he got you? He got you. He got Adam. But since you say he's alone, he got you, God. God said he does have me, but there are some things I want to do for you that I'm not going to do myself, but that I'm going to create people to do on my behalf. You got to be connected. In this text, we see two connections. The first connection, the text says, read the text. When his family heard that he was down there, they came to him. Now, I haven't figured out yet, this is a side note. Can I pull over my promise to keep the car running? Because um, I haven't figured out how they knew where he was. The text says he escaped from King Achish. He got away from the king. He didn't leave no word where he was going. How they know? And the text doesn't tell us. And I, you know, I'm a good exegete, so I'm trying to put nothing in the text that ain't in the text. The text doesn't tell us how they knew. And I'm kind of glad the text did that because it left it open for me to suggest to you that God will never have you in trouble without somebody knowing where you are. I wish I had a witness in here. God always has somebody who knows where to find you. This, his family. His family. His family, I think, represents two things. Number one, remember where David is now. He's on the run from Saul. He's been Saul's armor. Every time he worshiped, evil spirits got off of Saul. He was Saul's boy. Now Saul wants to kill him. He's running. He gets to the king Akesh. And some of King Akesh's boys recognize him. When they recognize him, y'all know the story. He starts acting crazy. He starts letting drool drip down into his beard. And in that day, they associate anything like that with demon possession. So they were like, this dude got to go because he got devils inside of him. And he runs and he said, David has got to be wondering whether God is still with him. He's got to be wondering whether or not the promise of God is still going to come true. Because ever since he was anointed and announced as king, he ain't caught nothing but him. Don't forget the only people who know he's the next king are his family. God's 
servant and you are on assignment. Now here's the trick part. This family that comes to him as encouragement didn't start out that way. When the vote was taken, as to which son would be the pastor, I mean the king.
y'all listening to me? And you can't be a church in the hood, walking by the folk from the hood, and acting like you ain't a part of the hood. Listen, I don't know none of y'all, so I ain't scared, so you might as well come on and get with me. Because cave friends will become throne friends, and when throne friends 
us. It's time to be. And it's time to praise. Somebody said, okay, preacher, I don't see nothing praise in this text. You got to read beyond the text. Scholars tell us that David wrote three songs while in this cave. Now the order in which he wrote them is not the order they're in in the book of Psalms. Um, in the order of the songs, they're inverted. From the real order he wrote them in. Can I give them to you? In the cave, he wrote the 142nd Psalm. Where he's complaining to God about having to be in this place. You're going to have some 142nd days where you go complaining to God about having to be in a love affair this afternoon. And it's a wonderful love affair, but there will come some 142 song days where you go to God complaining about where you are. Watch this. But when God didn't change it, he wrote Psalm 54. And in Psalm 54, he's praying to be relieved from the cave. God help me. In Psalm 142, he's complaining about having to be in the cave. In Psalm 54, he's complaining and asking God to relieve him from the cave. Y'all forget it. But when 142 didn't work, and when Psalm 54 didn't work, he wrote Psalm 34. In the cave, do y'all know what 34 is? I will bless the Lord at all times. Let's roll on out of here. Yes, sir. In 142, he said, God, I don't want to be here. In Psalm 54, he said, God, get me out of here. But when God wouldn't get him out of here, David said, since I got to be here, I might as well go on and praise him while I'm here. I got to get out of here. But is there anybody in here who ain't ashamed today to stand on your feet and say, God, I don't like some of the places where you made me stay. But since you're not going to move me, I might as well give you the praise. Shake your neighbor's hand and tell your neighbor, neighbor, when you don't like where you are, you ought to give God a praise and bless him in your cave. Good night, second hour. May the Lord God bless you real good. But is there anybody in here who can come and close this sermon and say, in the cave, but I'm giving God the praise. I'm in the cave. 
For the good 
Pastor Jackson, they don't sing it like this in the church no more, but they just would say, He has done it. He's done it. Great things. I wish I could sing it like I really feel it. He has done it. Find your part. This is corporate worship. Find your part and lift it up. Hands saying it.
down for me, Daniel. All my tenors, y'all sing that for me. Sing it to me. He is. Like that. Sing that again for me one more time. Don't, don't rush it now. Come on. Everybody, let's go. Stay right there. Let's do that again. Encourage them and tell them. I like the way that sounds. That feels so good. Let's take it up as a choir. Y'all know how we do it.
friends on Facebook Live by way of announcements. I want you to join us. I want you to join us in the next few moments. I want you to join us in the front of your house. I'm about to create a praises print right there in front of your house. You better pull the car over, don't make it, make sure you ain't on the highway. If you at your job, go somewhere, you about to go in the bathroom and praise them. But for the next 45 seconds, you watching this live, for those of you in this room, I need you to praise God, but hear me. I need you to call out your last name and then stop dancing. I need you to call out your last name and stop praising him. This one is for my
that this will be a week of good news. Woo! I even decree over every person in this room, this will be a week of good news. I thank you for I'm in the middle of the week. You're getting ready to turn the rest of our week completely around. We give your name glory. We give your name honor. Father, we praise your name now. And we thank you because you're doing this one in our name. The Lord bless you tonight, people of God. Join us tomorrow night. We'll be right here. The Lord keep you.